Welcome to another edition of Portal to the Paranormal for the podcast. I hope everyone is doing well and had a great start to the weekend. Um, before we bring on our guest, uh, just want to mention, as always, we want you to get involved. So if you have any questions um, for our guest tonight, please stick them in the comments and we will try and get them answered for you. Um, but with tonight's show, we have a fantastic guest on tonight, um, Bill Slevin. Um, he is the founder and lead paranormal investigator of PERS, the Paranormal Existent Research Society, um, based in Coral Springs, Florida. But he also has teams in Greece, Italy and the UK. Um, Bill is an empath. Um, he has experiences going back to when he was a child. Um, and we're going to have a great chat with him and find out a lot more um, but again, if you guys have any questions, please put them in the comments. But let's bring Bill on. Hey, Bill, how you doing? All right, how are you? Thanks for having I'm me really on. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much for for coming on. Uh, it's great to meet you, and I'm yes. really excited to find out more about yourself. Um, so, just a quick hello there. I think we've got electric redhead. Hey, Bill. Hey. hey. Um, so yeah, as I said, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, like I said, you've got a lot of experience, I think over 30 years experience in the paranormal field, but dating back to that, let's start from the beginning. How did your journey begin in the paranormal for you? So I always say it's, it's, it's funny, you know, back when I started, things were very different. It wasn't talked about a lot. It wasn't because there was no TV shows. There was nothing. So it was really, really wasn't out in the open. So it was tough, you know, when I was little and I was experiencing things myself and I didn't know I was an empath at the time. I just knew I would feel weird things when I went places, whether they were from, you know, dead people <laughs> or they were from living. You know, I would just yeah. be even like family parties. I'd be in there and I could feel the emotions of people. And I never knew what it was when I was little. You know, I, I tried to look into it and find out, am I crazy? What's going on? You know, especially with the experiences I was having and, uh, it kind of led me on a on a journey to to learn, you know, because back then you couldn't just jump out there and, and find stuff. Nobody was really it was hard to find anybody investigating or anything. So I just kind of little by little just tried to find any book I could find. I was always into horror and stuff. So I was looking at anything paranormal, anything ghost related, um, you know, parapsychology. So ESP, I loved all that stuff. So I tried to, you know, research as much as I can and try to learn until I was able to find people that I could get out there and actually investigate. I go myself to cemeteries and things like that, which I don't totally advise going by yourself. It's not a great idea, <laughs> but at that time you didn't have a lot of options. 
No, definitely. Hey, Daniel. Uh, Daniel is the owner of Portal to the Paranormal. Um, ah, hey. So, hey, Dan. Thanks for checking in. Um, so you, you were saying it dates back, you know, when you were quite young, you remember these experiences coming through. And like you said, back then, you know, it, the paranormal wasn't a big thing. It wasn't something that was highly spoken about. No. And as we were saying, um, we were talking about, you know, our backgrounds, being Catholic as well. Did you find yes. it quite difficult to try and explain yourself to, <laughs> you know, to, to tell your family? What what were their perception of what was going on with you, if you don't mind they me asking? They didn't actually know a lot of it. They were not, they were not really believers. They were not into it. I, I joke about it today. I said, my mother, I don't think she um, really even believes still. <laughs> even with all of what I've been doing and stuff, I've actually shown her and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard because, you know, a lot of Catholics believe that you shouldn't be playing with this and everything is the devil. And, and, you know, I don't totally agree with that, you know, but, um, yeah, it was tough. You you couldn't. If I brought that up back then, they would they would definitely lock me up <laughs> at that time. <laughs> you know, it must have been it must have been a hard transition for you then from you know realizing that at an early age. What age do you recall the age that you started researching the gift that you've got of being an empath? And you know, what did you do and how did you find someone in the end to help you with this? And well, pro I would say I probably started actually doing like research going to libraries trying to find any book i could find anything like that probably around 11 12 um so yeah somewhere around there so you're looking at i don't want to date myself too much but you're looking at about 81 82 you know um and yeah i just started learning i i didn't actually get on a <laughs> um i i didn't actually get on a, a uh, an actual residential investigation until I believe it was 1989, my senior year in high school. Um, and it was just people I happened to know, like I, a few of my friends, a few people knew what I did and what I was into and they didn't really, they weren't into it, but they knew some people that I didn't know that were into it. So they kind of connected me. And then one time these guys said, Hey, one of our guys is sick want to come on a residential so that's how i got into an actual residential before that i was just going out on my own and kind of researching and i've been 30 plus years in the it field too so i'm a technology expert so i you know i have a lot of equipment <laughs> you know i i use this much of it in a person's home though we don't use it much for residentials we use mm -hmm. environmental things things like that but i have a ridiculous amount of equipment i just love to go out and with it when we're doing public stuff you know <laughs> definitely, definitely and before we go into the getting into like being a paranormal investigator you know going back to the early years and how did mm. you cope with the different feelings so you know you're picking up spirits they're giving you their feelings of you know sadness you must come across different emotions yeah. but at a young age and how can i say it and not having a real support system because it wasn't something that was highly spoken about and wasn't popular. How did you cope with that as a young age and keep yourself, you know, in a, in a good frame of mind? It, it was tough, honestly, because I would say I, I remember, I mean, I, you know, I obviously I don't remember way back, but I mean, I would say I remember feeling those things at like eight, nine, you know, and again, it was, I would go to like a family party or something and I can pick up on, I didn't know, I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I was feeling, like you said, I'd be feeling sad or I'd be feeling depressed or I feel something. I didn't realize it was coming from 
either somebody at the party, <laughs> you know, or somebody that we didn't know was at the party. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. no idea back then what it was. I just knew I wasn't feeling right. And I knew it wasn't me because I didn't have it, you know, just sitting home, you know? So I knew when we went there, something was weird. So you couldn't really, I couldn't really ask my parents that again, they would think I was crazy, you know? Uh, so it, it was tough to deal with. I just kind of started looking into anything I could find. I, it was hard to understand. I, I started looking at the paranormal thinking, could it be something paranormal? Because again, it wasn't talked about a lot. So I didn't know. And I started seeing books on things about abilities and, and, you know, stuff with parapsychology, which was back then you saw things about ESP and telekinesis and things. So I started reading on a, a lot of that to try to see if could that be it? You know, it, it took me a while to understand what an empath was. I had no idea until I was older, you know? Mm. So, and no, go ahead. I think I froze froze for a second. I know you. You know, so it must like like you said, it was quite hard. So going forward, integrating with people, did you find it quite hard to be sociable with this gift and not knowing how to deal with it? Was that quite a challenge for you as well to be in a social gathering, knowing what you can do and what you can pick up? You know, was that difficult for you? You know, what's funny about that is I know a lot of people that are empaths, psychics, mediums, and a lot of them don't like being out in crowds and being around people because they're picking up stuff all the time. I don't know. I think at an early age, I I, I don't know how and I don't know even to this day really how to fully control it. But I learned how to tune it out. Like I have no problem being around crowds. I ha- I love being in crowds around people. I mean, we do when I do my lectures at some of these conventions, we have you know five six hundred people in the crowd, and you know it it doesn't bother me one bit. I I kind of just completely tune it out unless I'm on an investigation. But sometimes, as strange as it is, sometimes it will affect me. Like we we were watching a TV show, and it was you know like a, a I forget what the show was, but um the guy was really, really nervous on the show. And I didn't even realize I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I just, I was sweating, just sitting in the room. I swear I could feel it through the TV as crazy as that is every once in a while it happened like that, you know? So it's, it's weird. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) And, you know, again, we're, we're moving on in life and the evolution of the paranormal industry has changed dramatically from when you started in your opinion, what do you think has made those changes? What's made people more um, accepting of the paranormal? What What do you think has helped grow the paranormal? The, there's two things. The TV shows um, definitely brought it out into the open and made people accepting of it. Because before, all you had was movies. You know, really. I mean, you had, you know, The Exorcist and things like that back in the day. And, you know, that made people think everything, you know, you have demons and this. But... The, the paranormal was always questions a little bit of, is there ghosts? Is there Bigfoot? Is there, you know, that stuff has always been out there, just kind of more quiet. But since the shows, it's brought it to the forefront to where people aren't afraid to talk about it, aren't afraid to be involved in it. You know, I would say that's that's kind of the, the main thing. But also more people are definitely there's more people out there who are uh, spiritual now. There are more people are getting into crystals and and all kind of different avenues that weren't really accepted back then. I mean, if you see how many people now are are pagan and Wiccan and and back then, if you said that they were going to, you know, 
burn you at the tree there. And, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't really say that, you know, even, even people who are, are Satanists now, they're out in the open. They're not, they don't hide themselves as much. And, you know, people are just more accepting of everything now. I think it's a little, it's both of those two kind of help bring it out there. No, no, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, Stephanie's just put a comment in there. Uh, I'll just highlight. Yeah, uh, whatever you do, don't ask him about orbs. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask. Obviously, question, I Stephanie. know Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> so, w- what's this about the orbs then? Because I know a lot of people have different theories, different beliefs on you know orbs. <laughs> it's just dust particles. It's nothing paranormal. What do you think right. about orbs? How would you determine <laughs> a real orb to a now? I hope I don't make you lose viewers <laughs> because this is the one controversial thing I'll talk about that kind of throw people two different directions. Um, mm. I am very, very big on education um, and learning the correct way because we do so many residential cases. You have to know what you're dealing with when you go into a person's home. It's very different than going to the local abandoned place or, or, or the local haunted you know, hotel or something. So orbs, the term orb came out when digital cameras came out and it was things created by the reflection of the flash in in a certain location how it pulls in everything in the air dust pollen and the same thing with cctv so you have ring cameras and security footage and all that all of those have what's called a fixed focal lens on them so they don't zoom in and out to things that are close or far away it has just a, a far away focal lens you know like it so it, yeah it's so when something's very close up to it like it's up here in the camera it can't adjust and uh focus on it so it blurs it so a yeah. piece of dust which you don't see with your eyes or or pollen or animal dander or dead skin or bugs i mean there's so many different things they fly around the house all the time even if your house is perfectly clean they're there and yeah. what happens is they go past the cameras and the camera picks it up and can't focus. And then the infrared lights reflect off of it. And you can't see infrared with your eyes. So you won't see it if you're in a room. And it makes it way bigger than it seems. And the things will move around in the air current. So a lot of people say, oh, well, I didn't have the fan on and there was no air conditioning on. It doesn't matter. If you go like this, you created air current in your room that's enough to push you know, dust around. So the problem is we try to educate people on that. A true orb, which is a real thing, it's extremely rare. And what they are is it is a it is believed to be a solid ball of energy that is supposed to be a spirit or a demon trying to manifest itself. So it pulls all the energy from the room. I've seen three in my 35 years of doing this, all on demonic cases. And you will see it. it it glows it has its own light and it will of course it happens when you're not expecting it that's why i don't know one person who's ever captured a real one there are some i've seen out there that could be questionable you know but i've never seen uh, or known anybody to capture an actual one like the one of the ones uh, i saw as soon as it started it, it grew from about this big to about you know probably about that big and it drained everything the cameras went off the lights were flickering it pulled all the energy from the room so the thing is, like I say, I'm, I was telling you, I'm in those groups online and everything on Facebook, and I try to help people when they ask for help. I'm trying to actually educate them a little bit. And man, I get, yeah, yeah Stephanie knows she's seen me in those groups. I will get ripped on because people sometimes just want a confirmation of what they believe. 
and it's kind of everybody thinks it's cool to be haunted and everybody wants to capture a ghost now so they get annoyed when you tell them it's not a ghost and i'm not doing it to i do it very nicely you know some yeah. other people will just say hey stupid clean your house <laughs> you know there's some funny comments in there but i actually explain to them why it why it is and how it's caused and things like that but you know some people are like it some people don't i i think with this industry and i hope you agree with this it's one of those industries that there's a lot of different opinions and it's one of those things that one, if you ask the question, respect the answer that you get. But then secondly, everyone's opinion is valid. Everyone has done different research to come up with yeah. their reasons to why they think the way they do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you say that you do a lot of residential investigations, like home investigations, and yeah. you, you brought up about demonic and spirits. In your experience and what you've learned, how do you how are you able to separate what is a demon or a demonic entity to a, a normal spirit? Is there a pattern that you find, or is there like a sense what, what happens when you're well, faced something like that? A few things. First, I've been studying demonology for probably about twenty five years, mostly Catholic demonology. So. Um, there is it, it is very and, and it's one of the things we tell people that if you're into going you know you want to learn how to ghost hunt and everything go do the public stuff first don't like i was saying don't go into somebody's home unless you're going with somebody who knows what they're doing because a lot of could cause a lot of problems and hmm. those people will never know how to tell the difference it can be very tricky sometimes because the first stage of of a demonic uh you know presence is infestation which is like a haunting they'll knock, they'll make noises. They get things, they do things to make you acknowledge them. So at that stage, it is extremely hard to tell the difference for yeah. an empath or a psychic or something. Sometimes you can tell the difference because the energy level is, is very, very different. You know, even in a place where you might have a bad spirit or even some people that aren't the best, you know, that are in the house, you can see the energy, but it's a, it's a very different energy when you get you walk into a place that has some kind of demonic, you know, either an infestation, oppression, possession, whatever. Um, there, there are some telltale signs as you go along, you know, things like if you when we cleanse a home to clear a spirit out of the house, you know, we use sage, we use Palo Santo, we use I use singing bowls to cleanse the energy. Um, I use a lot of different things. Uh, for a demon, that stuff doesn't work. You can throw sage there all day long. The demon's just probably going to get pissed, to be honest with you. Not going to like it, um, but it's not going to do anything to it. They will only respond to religious provocation. So you pull out a cross, you throw some holy water, you say a prayer. That's the only way you're going to see it come out. And, you know, we also tell people don't do that unless you know what to do after it comes out <laughs> because you're going to be in a bad place. If you go to a home like thinking, OK, I'm going to cleanse the home and I'm going to start throwing holy water around. If there is something demonic in there, you know, which is which is rare. But if there is, it's not going to be happy with you and you're not going to know what to do when it comes out. No, I agree. The the only thing when when people ask me about demonic entities, I find it very hard because not saying it's not real, but mm -hmm. would you agree? Like a lot of people, like the big, you know, someone that has a large following, as soon as something really happens, that they say, "Oh, this is demonic." Do you think that word is used too quickly? Oh, in, in some respects, because it makes time. it harder to believe. 
all the time the tv shows too and again i say i love the shows but tv shows very big on on demonic everything is demonic everything let me tell you i've done i don't even know anymore i always say over well over 500 homes okay and i've been involved in six confirmed demonic cases and maybe about 10 or so that could have been but we weren't 100 percent sure it didn't get to a really bad stage so and no, a lot of these I was pulled into as a specialist. So it's not like you're going to go and just wander into a demonic case. It is rare. For me, it happened on my first case, which is the craziest thing I could ever <laughs> tell you. But um, it, it really is. It is a rare thing. There are, you know, some people, some people do push on the demonic a little too much. Um, and you have to be careful. I tell people you have to be very, very careful because during the day I'm an IT director. Uh, but I'm an IT director for a psychiatric drug and alcohol treatment facility. So I've gotten to learn a lot about, you know, psychiatric illness and addiction. And when you go into a home, you know, even when we're dealing with clients, a lot of people don't want to tell us that maybe they have a psychiatric illness or they're diagnosed with something or, or they're, you know, they're, they're taking heroin or, or something like that. They don't want to tell us because they think we're going to go, well, there's your problem. And that's not the case. Because people who are, you know, have an addiction or, or have a mental illness, they're actually more susceptible to spiritual and demonic attacks because they're already oppressed. They're already having issues and they're kind of broken down a little bit. So uh, especially demons that tend to actually go after people like that more. So it can be both. And it's very important for us to know, because if we go in, we need to know what we're dealing with, because, you know, obviously and, and another reason. We tell people don't go into a home unless you know what you're doing, because if you go into the house and let's say the person doesn't tell you or they don't know that like they're schizophrenic or, or bipolar or so, you know, real some kind of, you know, even they're on medications or something, they may not you won't understand when you go in. So, yeah, they're hearing voices. They're seeing things. They really are. But it's not paranormal, maybe. And if you go in there and then tell them, oh, well, we, you know, we think you're haunted and we're going to cleanse the place, your sage and your Palo Santo and all that stuff is not going to help their schizophrenia. So now you're going to leave them and now they're schizophrenic and they believe it is a, a ghost or a demon and they're going to be more traumatized than they already are. So it's kind of dangerous, you know, so you got to know about all those things, especially with even with addiction and stuff. You have to go in and, and it, those are the things that help you determine a lot, you know, because like poltergeist activity everybody knows the term poltergeist things flying yeah. around the room it has been proven in uh, parapsychology that a lot of poltergeist activity is caused by the energy of teenagers especially female teenagers going through puberty that their energy is so strong it actually creates poltergeist activity in the house it's manifested into the house wow. so there's a lot of things people don't know about that side of it and energy and how it is sometimes we go in a home and we just cleanse the energy it wasn't a ghost or spirit it was just bad energy in the house and they're feeding off that energy and people are getting scared and people are getting mad and and it just kind of builds that energy in the house wow <laughs> and with you know doing the residential i take it you got to treat it a lot different than an actual paranormal investigation you know, mm -hmm. when you imagine a paranormal investigation, we will use technology like yeah. a lot of equipment has evolved, you know, from the start, you know, and that's what we a lot of us use to see if we communicate. Do you use equipment going into a residential? What is your process when you're doing a, a residential? Well, if we determine the need to actually do an investigation in there, because it's not all the time, 
Um, and we don't always go in and do five hour overnight investigations. A lot of times it really isn't necessary. Um, when we go to the home to actually investigate, we use a few things. We use video, we use audio, we use environmental things like, you know, everybody knows the K2 meters, you know, EMF K2 meters. K2 meters are fun and they're great, but they're not, they're not great for residential homes and really understanding EMF. You need things like tri-field meters and things that are field meters that actually read the levels. And mm. you don't use them. Like we don't go into a home and take out a K2 meter and do yes, no answers on things that, that I would never, never do that to a, you know, a client. I don't bring SLS cameras and show them a stick figure. I don't do all that stuff. Um, we'll go and use EMF meters to do like base readings around the house. So we can see if there's areas of the house that's putting out a, re, you know, maybe a high level of EMF or, or, you know, try to kind of read it around the home. We'll use things that are environmental temperature, humidity, like EDI machines that will, you know, judge all the temperatures and humidities, look for, you know, giant drops in temperature. Um, obviously, oh God, another, I know Jeff too, <laughs> not flashlights. <laughs> Uh, all right, let me take that for one second, and we'll go right back. Yeah, a flashlight trick you see on TV. Don't use that; it's not real. You know, if it it's one thing. If you want to take a flashlight, a spirit can manipulate any type of electronic or energy or batteries. So, if you want to take a flashlight and ask yes or no answer to a flashlight, take the flashlight and just put it there. If it wants to, it can turn it on and off by itself. But when you take a flashlight. And you unscrew it all the way. And I'm sure you've seen this or known this. And, and I look, I even tried it to see what it was. You unscrew it until it just breaks the current. And then you sit there and people ask questions. And then it'll go on or it'll go off. And they take it as yes or no. Try not to do that because I'm not saying it's nothing. Because could it be? It, it could be. But for the most part, you broke an electrical connection. But it's barely there. So in that room... Any temperature change, anything can cause that actual flashlight to expand and contract even a millimeter, and it'll make a touch for a second. I actually have a video that somebody showed testing. He put it there, and he put a, uh, a hairdryer on it, not on high, high heat, but just on like a, a warm heat or something, and you watch it go on, and then he took it off and put the cold air on, and it went off. So things can make that happen. So could it be something? Yeah, it possibly could be, but most of the time it's because of that, and you, if you want to have real evidence, don't do that, you know, <laughs> but again, okay, back to the other thing. So yeah. uh, you, you want to use, I mean, we do sometimes we might pull out a REM pod or something in a house, depending on, you know, the, what it is and what we think. And if we do think we need to go back there overnight, we may need to go for a longer time with more equipment, but I don't use a lot of the, the flashy equipment in inside a home just because Again, as IT also, I can debunk a lot of it. So I don't want to I don't want to give a client the wrong information. Audio is by far your best evidence for anything. Capturing something on video is very, very hard. It really is. I mean, I've seen, you know, a handful over my years as opposed to how much audio we've gotten, you know, and for me, using those old audio recorders and everything, you can't you, you can't fake it with that. You know, you, I can't even take those and put them onto the computer. We have to take something and record it just to hear it, you know. And when you ask a question and it responds intelligently and clearly to your, you know, question, then it's hard to deny that, you know. 
yeah we we had something similar we were we were doing an audio session in uh where we are in hampshire in portsmouth mm. they got the forts and it was me daniel and a few other people and we were stood right in the middle and we were, we were it was just something simple we said can spirits if you're here can you copy what we do and we whistled and we waited to because as you whistle it's going to echo down the tunnel so you need to be very patient and wait right. until that and we were like can you copy and we heard a whistle back but what was amazing when we tried to figure out where everyone heard it from a different location like a different area from where they were standing right and do you think the spirits can make us hear it in different ways instead of it just one way it, it's possible you know like what i like to do is I, I i like to have a lot i have a i have a like a task cam that's connected to my that sits next to my uh video camera the video camera is also getting, you know, audio. Um, sometimes I'll have another recorder in my hand, and then I have a, I have a, a watch like this that's an EVP recorder, and it just records, you know, you can record up to like 26 hours straight on it. So I'll put that on, and some of my, I like to, I, I want to try to get them for the teammates, everybody to have one, because we all have them, and then if you hear something, and we can find it also on another device, and we can hear who is it close to by how loud it was on somebody's recorder? You know, it, it's kind of, it kind of helps you, but yeah, I think they can, they can kind of trick us a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's absolutely amazing what, what they can actually do, but going back to the residential and you said that some of the cases that you have done have turned out to be something demonic in your opinion, how do these entities come into our, atmosphere or our world where, where do they begin from a, a demonic well again a lot of people have different opinions on demons depending on your religion and your beliefs and all that um for me catholic i believe they were fallen angels you know um there there's a, a legion of them that is run by satan and there's a there's a hierarchy of demons as far as where how they get here and what they're doing obviously nobody truly knows but i would tell you for the most part any cases that you'll see that are demonic are normally pulled in they could be one of two things if it just happened to go after somebody who was like i said had a mental illness or something they were looking for somebody who was already kind of oppressed but most of them are pulled in ouija boards seances you know it, it could be people trying to investigate in their home you know i tell people i don't play with my own equipment in my house you know i'll put I'll, you know, I'll put the batteries in, test it, make sure it works if I'm going on an investigation. But you don't need to be in a place that's haunted. If I sit here right now and pull out my recorders and stay here long enough and play with them, I'm inviting something in. So I'll pull something in eventually. And then now I'm stuck with it, you know? So the demonic really does come in usually from something that was pulled in, uh, you know, Ouija boards. Thing. I, I'm not one that will tell you Ouija boards should, nobody should touch them and whatever, but it's about your intent of what you're doing with it and how you do it, <laughs> how you, you know, uh, most people that use Ouija boards are usually already grieving and looking for somebody, you know, that they lost. So they're easily tricked. Because if something comes in and says, hey, I'm dad, they're going to be overwhelmed and want to talk to them. And by acknowledging it, you're letting them in, even though you don't know what it is. You'll never truly know it's dad unless they say even, you know, demons can be very, very manipulative and tricky. So they know a lot. So they can 
imitate somebody and and know things that you probably think they wouldn't know so it's it's you know it's just that's normally how it comes in like with the case of annabelle you know that was brought in by a ouija board and they were playing in the room and they had a uh it was a little they it was they believed it was a child spirit and it was lonely and it asked to stay in the room in inside the doll and they thought it was harmless because it was a little girl but it wasn't so that's usually how they come in right um just going to uh there's a question my other comments have been jokes but this is a real one uh say what are your thoughts on itc um so like the apps and things like that well i mean all all communication i, I believe in you know but things like the apps I stay away from and I tell people I would stay away from them. I actually know some people who made some of those apps and I know that the apps are actually you're programmed. So they are programmed to produce responses. So and, and your phone, what people have to remember is your phone does not have the technology that the apps say it has. So if you're using an SLS camera, your phone doesn't have the technology to be an SLS camera or to be an EMF reader, you know, or, or to pick things up like that. It's not, it's better go with the actual equipment. And even some of the things that they imitate, like an SLS camera, you know, has a 98%, you know, false positive. So you're now you're using like ghost tube. Don't use that. <laughs> ghost tube, <laughs> you know, imitates an SLS camera. So that's probably about 110% fake. <laughs> you know, it's just don't go with something like that. And plus, I tell people your phones are very bad to use for anything paranormal unless you're just pulling it out quick to record something. The problem with it is your phone, even if you have it on airplane mode and stuff, what people do, there are 30 apps running in the background. They're making vibrations, sounds, whatever that you don't even notice. So it's contaminating your evidence. So if you're using your phone, say to record EVPs and you get some strange sound, it may not be a strange sound. It may be something coming from inside the actual phone. Just to be safe, I would say, just go get an actual recorder. Don't, don't get something that imitates a device, get the actual device. Just, I mean, any kind of communication is fantastic. You know, you, you use audio and you use, you know, uh, uh, anything like EMF. I, I do use all that. I just don't use a lot in people's homes. No, no. Um, Mar Maria, she's lovely lady. She's been into it um, on a few investigations with us. And she's used Paratech um, and it's given us some really on point words. Like, and, I, and do you know what? I can vouch for that because we did one. Um, if I'm right, Maria, we were at, uh, I think it was um, Wavering Manor in Portsmouth, and we were using it in one of the upstairs rooms. And the mm -hmm. questions were coming through, and it the words were relating to the questions that we were asking. So do you think it is possible that spirits can manipulate these apps still, even though that they're designed yeah. to do it? Do you think it can work at some point? Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't I don't want to say that, look, that you're never going to get anything through them because you can. And I played with them. I played with them out in the public. Again, out in the public, yes, you know, um, not in somebody's home. But you yeah. can see them because I've gotten stuff. I had – we were at a place down here in, in Davie, Florida, and we got permission to go into this place and investigate. And it was an old – it's like an old museum, this house. And um, one of my teammates had – we have an ovulus, and he had the ovulus. And 
he saw a record player and he said, Oh, you know, what, what type of music did you listen to? Did you listen to, you know, what did you listen to? And the thing spit out. And I use this in some of my lectures. I have a picture of it spit out. It said Edison, which I thought was a very strange random word. And then when we mm -hmm. looked at the record player, the brand of the record player was Edison. So, oh, wow. so could that be something? Absolutely. You know, um, you don't know, but the, the apps, I, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm a little, a little skeptical on the apps just because again, I know some people who made some of them and I know how they work and people do take them and they'll go and they'll say, okay, I did it here and I did it with the app and I did it with the regular device. And if you could get, look, if you could take an, an ovulus or anything like that, and you can take an app and you get the same word on them at the same time, uh, there's probably no denying what that is because they're using two different word banks. Yeah. You know, definitely. also, you want to know something real is if you can get the list. I, I know somebody has, you get the list of the word bank that's in the ovulus or in one of those apps and keep that list handy and see if you ever get any words that were not in that list. I know people who did that. They got words that were not in the word bank. So oh, wow. yeah, to, to, that's, you know, I don't even know how to explain that, that <laughs> I can't say that's a mistake. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Stephanie's just popped another uh, comment here. I'll just quickly read. People also don't understand that editing or altering audio will distort the sounds and wear it into something else. Also use raw audio to avoid this. Yes. Um, I, I think with audio is just let it be what it is. Record it and then just go with whatever you go. Don't change it around. Just leave that as raw yeah. as possible. I agree. I, I definitely the agree. only time... The only time I really ever enhanced the audio at all is if we got something that's like kind of like a whisper, I'll crank up just the volume on it in, in an audio program just to try to see if I can make out a, a clear word, you know, yeah. also, you know, also on these recorders when you, you get a lot of uh, a lot of junk on them, you know, if, if you can't hear it clearly and like what we say is a class A EVP is if three people besides you can hear the same word without knowing what you heard. You know, if you go around and you get something really clear, go up to people and have them write down three people, write down. What did you hear? What did you hear? If you all get the same word, that's a, a class a EVP that you can't deny, you know, because audio pareidolia is out there and you know, I can, I can play just about anything and then tell you what I think it is. And believe me, you're going to understand and hear that because it's just how our brains work. Um, but I only, I mean, I've heard a lot of stuff, but, and, and it could be something. It honestly could be something, but if I can't make it out, I won't consider it evidence for me. You know, I want to hear it clear. And I've gotten some, some crazy, crazy clear ones. <laughs> oh, brilliant. What, what's the best EVP? Can you give us like a, a snippet of what your best EVP was and what, yeah. what happened in it? Yeah, actually, um, one of the most unique, I would say, is one that just happened to me in uh, <laughs> October. And this is one of the few times that I actually wound up with an attachment on me, uh, which was very unusual. I, I haven't had that too much in my life. I don't know if it was an attachment or if it threw its energy on me or whatever, but I was definitely messed up for a good week, week and a half. And um, it was here in uh, West Palm Beach. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Riddle House. The Riddle House is, <laughs> the Riddle House is very, very well known. Uh, Ghost Adventures has been there. Um, so it's in, in West Palm Beach, you have Yesteryear Village. It's basically a village of a bunch of museums. They're all the oldest homes from the West Palm area. 
and they're brought in and rerouted and put there so that they can be now like little museums and they have tours during the day. But a lot of a few of them have big haunted histories to them. And and Riddle House was made more famous because, you know, Zach and Ghost Adventures were there. So mm. I've been there a bunch of times because a team I work with called War Party Paranormal there, uh, they do the public tours for the city there. So one of yeah. the things they get is they get private events for their team. And they're so nice to always include me in them. And I go there a lot and I've never had a problem there. But the main thing of the Riddle House is the attic, because that's where this guy, Joseph, hung himself. And that's the main story of this house and what people believe they, you know, who they believe they talk to. So this time and usually the attic's closed off. No, they don't let anybody in there, but it was open. And when I got there, they were already up there. I went up there and um, we had like about five, six people in there. They all had recorders. And they were just doing EVP sessions. And the one guy said, okay, he goes, this guy's never been in the attic before talking about me saying, I got a new device. You know, I want you to talk directly to him. And everybody stayed quiet. And, you know, we played mine. Mine had a lot of garbage, you know, a lot of people had, yeah, maybe something, but we couldn't tell. And then the one guys came on and it was the strangest EVP I've ever heard. Because if you know about EVPs and you've done them, you stay quiet and you get that response. This talked over the guy asking the question oh wow and it was it was clear clear as day and it said he's dead to me which wasn't you know great <laughs> and uh i always joke about that because when i came home it was late my wife was sleeping the next morning she goes oh what happened and she's not i mean she supports me on this but she doesn't like investigating or anything but um i i was laughing i go yeah we got this recording i played it for her. and she's like i don't find that funny you know and i'm like that's yeah, fine i'm protected i'm always protected and no but then for the next week or so i was i was sick i was having every type of bad luck you could have i had to get blessed and cleansed to get it off of me it's 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 rare with that too but it can happen you know uh but that was probably one of the, the most interesting evps i ever had because i never heard something talk over somebody uh, that that is that would be cool you know that's yeah. amazing to you know someone's talking in the in the living and then suddenly they're overspoken by um a spirit but then you're talking about you know cleansing yourself uh protecting yourself so when you're going to, like i know residential is one thing but moving on to paranormal investigations on locations do you do a protection chant before you go into it what is your sort of routine Always and how what do you do always always first of all i wear i have a bunch of things i have other things there that i wear uh certain medals and stuff that are blessed by priests by archbishops i always have that stuff on me um we have a, a protection prayer it's a it, for me it's a catholic prayer it's a thing we say before we go in and then a different one when we leave um and i tell people it doesn't matter what religion you are even if you're not following any religion it, it's all about what your beliefs are and what your intent is on it so you can say anything you want really as long as it will protect you you know and you believe it will protect you so when i'm there with my team and i read this and they're not catholic it doesn't matter because i'm the one reading it and i'm the one with the intent so i'm protecting them all you know and when we leave we have another one we say to make sure nothing follows us nothing stays with us nothing's 100 percent because i did all this that night and yet it still followed me you know, yeah. but I don't want to scare people too. When you go on a, a ghost tour or any of those places, 
it's very rare anything's ever going to come after you there or follow you home because most of those things are attached to the property. So, you know, if you go to a haunted hotel or, a, you know, you're on a ghost tour and they're, they're bringing you to a building or something that's known to be haunted, if there is something in there, it's most likely attached to the building. It doesn't want to leave, you know, so you most it can throw its energy on you, but just be respectful. Don't taunt things. Don't provoke things. That's the best advice I can tell you. Don't ever provoke things because I've been around people that provoked and it turns out bad. I've been knocked to the floor. I've been pushed. I've been, you know, you can, you can get in a lot of trouble doing that. Don't ever do that. It's like you've said a few times, you've just got to be, you've got to know what you're doing and you've got to be, yeah. you know, be respectful. the right intent. The, yeah. the, the right intent. So would you say religion for you then plays a factor in your investigations? A lot of the time you rely on your religion or your religious beliefs to, protect you and guide you through your investigations that's what's gonna protect you any whatever your belief is is what's going to protect you um religion doesn't play a huge part you know when you're going into just a home or you're going to an abandoned location you're playing with equipment you're trying stuff but the religion side of it or whatever your beliefs are is what really is going to protect you you know like i said even if you're a, a an atheist or, or whatever you are Whatever your belief is, is what protects you. You know, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. We go into a home and and the people are are Jewish. It, it doesn't mean we can't help them. It's it's not like I'm going in there just waving crosses around, and, you know, throwing holy water everywhere. It, it's not it's not like that, but it will protect us. And if I'm doing a, a prayer that will protect the actual family while we're in there, too. And. You're talking about different religions going into different, you know, meeting different types of families, different backgrounds. Do you have to adapt your your techniques, like your prayers and that, based on the family? So if you go into a Jewish household, would you avoid doing certain prayers that they don't believe in? Do you have to sort of find out what they're happy for you to do? Or do you just explain how you do it and the way it works for you? It's It's kind of case by case because you have to find out how they are. Most people yeah. will explain, hey, this is how we do things and this is what I'm doing. Um, we do adapt to whatever religion it is, you know. Um, if they're very strict, you know, like if they're strict uh, um, yeah. in, in, in any other religion and they don't want us to say anything that's a Catholic prayer or, a, you know, that's something that's not their religion, we will definitely, you know, cater to them and not do that and respect their beliefs. But let's say we were in something that was demonic. I mean, there's no other way I can do it. So either they would have to let me do what I do, or they would have to find somebody else that can cater to them, you know? Uh, but we always, we always, I mean, on my team, everybody is pretty much a different religion. So we pretty much have a little bit of everybody that can tell a prayer, say a prayer or something from, from that religion if needed you know we're not going to go there if they're jewish and say listen you need to put crosses on your walls and you know we're not going to try to convert anybody <laughs> yeah yeah I, and just to ask with that being said now i know you say that you with, with something demonic you rely on the religion part of it the prayers and you know doing that but are there ways to b banish a demonic entity without the religion side of things there is i mean again it's it's a that's a tough it's a it's a tricky question because you have so many different religions and so many different beliefs with demons you know yeah. certain religions don't believe in demons certain religions believe in only demons 
you know, some, some have gins, some have divics, some have, there's so many different things out there. Um, some people will go and, and find like, you know, if, if you're Jewish there, they might go to the temple and, and find, you know, somebody that can help them because they believe it's something in their religion and that they need somebody to help them that way. You know, I, there, there's only so much I can do except for what I know, or we can, I will gladly put them in touch with somebody. We're there to help people. So we want to make them comfortable and we want to, if, if they decide, Oh, we, we think maybe it could be something evil or demonic and they don't want to have us do it in a Catholic, you know, sense we'll help them find somebody or, or somebody on my team, or we'll help them find somebody else that can help them. I'm also a regional uh, director for the Southeast U S for the Warren legacy foundation, which is um, if you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, yeah. Uh, this is the foundation was created by Chris McKennell, who's the grandson of Ed and Lorraine Warren. It was created by Chris and Lorraine before she passed away to kind of carry on their legacy of helping people uh, across the world. We have, you know, probably about 100 members across the, the world and we get cases and we put the Warren Foundation honestly is like the best of the best of investigators to help people. And you know, Jeff and Stephanie are also part of the uh, foundation. Um, and it, it's things like that. We have so many people around the world that are from every type of religion to Native American to shamanic healers to everything you can think of. So whatever we come across, we have somebody that can deal with it. And that's what's important because some people won't feel comfortable if, it, you know, if you have a really strict person in in a certain religion they may not want somebody catholic in their house <laughs> yeah it, it's got to be quite difficult and it's great that you're saying that if mm. if that's the way they are you will find another route to absolutely to you know which which is great because it's all about respect and you know valuing other people so i i think that's absolutely great what you guys do um stephanie's just put in there um it's a strong intent and belief system that helps in protection that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then Jeff, uh, back in the room, summon a stronger demon to be up the weaker demon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so what that brings up, that brings up an interesting point too, that people don't realize with the demonic stuff is that a lot of times it's not one. It, there, there is a hierarchy behind them. And sometimes, and that's why I tell people, don't go in and start throwing holy water around. There are people that believe they can walk into a house, have no training, and banish a demon from the home. But And it, it is possible that if you're a strict religion, let's say Catholic, and you come in there and you pull out your cross and you bless it with holy water and you say a prayer, that maybe you can get that lighter demon out of there, possibly, but what happens is he's not really out of there. He's just moved aside and the next level comes in. So you got to watch that. It is something that I learned a lot in demonology that a lot of times they are in like levels there. They, if one is weak and it gets pushed out, the next one will step in. So it's something you got to be very careful with. So, so it can be quite a dominant situation then between two different. Yeah. Demons. A lot of times so, they say with, a lot of possessions have been proven that it wasn't one. It was more than one there. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that is amazing. Um, so, yeah. And with yourself then, you know, over, you know, 30 years experience in the paranormal, has there been a point where something has happened to you personally where it's made you have to reevaluate what you're doing and think this is too much, where 
it's pushed you to your limits or something's happened that's not necessarily scared you, but made you feel, I need to step away from this. And is there an experience that you can tell us about? Well, we tell everybody too that, first of all, if you're having any issues at home, whether it be medical, uh, relationship issues, anything, uh, uh, you know, issues with your job, anything that's kind of depressing you a little bit or, or making you anxious, you know, anxiety, anything that's kind of taking you out of your normal, it's good to step away for a little bit because if you go into a case like that, you have the ability of having something get on you, attached to you, uh, take you because, you know, you're not in the perfect state of mind. So there have been times where I've stepped away just for a little bit, just to kind of clear my head or uh, uh, demonic cases. Sometimes I've taken a little break after them because they, they drain you and some of the stuff you see in there and stuff you'll never forget. And it, those are anybody that says they are not scared on a demonic case is completely lying and have never been on a demonic case because they are, it's frightening and you have no idea what's coming next. Um, I also what made me step aside and like what actually made me finally create my own team was after being on team after team and, and, and not liking the way certain people, not maybe the whole team, but certain people I've been attacked, knocked to the floor because somebody stupid on the team was provoking and causing a situation. And you can't be around that because they're, they're getting me harmed and I'm not even doing anything. So you got to step back and see, okay, maybe these aren't the people to be with, you know, it took me a while to finally create my own team because I just had enough of, of other teams. I mean, there are a lot of good teams out there and, and, you know, you, if you learned watching TV, get with people who've been doing this longer and just learn a little more study study a bit you know that's all definitely and then you've gone in and created your own team um yeah. how did you go what was the process for you then so you said that you've you've looked at other teams the way they work and you've picked out the stuff that you didn't like so how did you choose the people that are part of your team then? <laughs> what was the process for you for that very carefully <laughs> what i did was <laughs> you know because you meet a lot of people and to me like i tell people um, I don't care if you've had 20 years experience, one year experience, no experience to me, that is not the main thing. It's more about who you are, your personality, your passion, your compassion for this. You want to help people, you know, not just, I don't normally just look for people who just want to go running around cemeteries and things like that. I'm looking for people that for the most part, I mean, we have a few on our team that, that really don't do residentials and that's fine, but I, I'm very picky on who I put on because I want to make sure that they have the right, uh, you know, passion for this because we're going to help people and I got to be able to trust them in the house. doesn't matter if they have yeah. 20 years experience, if they're provokers and, and idiots, <laughs> you know, I don't want to bring them into somebody's home because they can endanger everybody. So, you know, it's it just, they're very, very handpicked. Um, everyone has their own specific skills. I had a very small team up until recently. We just expanded a bit. You know, um, I used to have like maybe, I don't know, six or seven people. Now I think we have 15 or 16. Um, and they're from a little bit all over. Like I'm, I'm in like the Fort Lauderdale area. I have people from Miami, West Palm, Jupiter, uh, on the West Coast in Tampa. Um, we have people in Nebraska now. Um, uh, maybe in Georgia soon. We have, we have a lot of, a lot of different areas. So 
Um, and, and when we do the initial interviews with people and stuff, we're on zoom. So it doesn't matter what part of the country they're in, they can still be on the zoom meeting and help out because we have some very gifted people, psychics, mediums, you know, and, uh, it, it helps on an investigation. Brilliant. Brilliant. And moving over to technology now, you know, um, we, we've, we've touched based on it about ICT apps, you know, um, REM pods and things like that. Is there a particular piece of equipment that you think that is your go-to piece of equipment? Audio. I have to go back to audio. For that, I always say audio. Um, I do like, you know, I, I do like playing with all the equipment, honestly. I do. I, I love to test them. I love to to see what they produce. And I, I love abandoned places because I don't promote out there for people to go into abandoned locations. <laughs> I got to say that because there are a lot of legal issues a lot of uh dangers you know mold and things you got to be very very careful but um and i know people that have um <laughs> i know people that have um gone into places and gotten five thousand dollar fines for trespassing okay. in a place because the person told the police we don't care who it is you know prosecute them because people you know wreck the place and they vandalize it and but um I, you know, I, I do like playing with all the equipment and, and abandoned places just because there's no power, there's no things in there. So when you get actual responses and look for intelligent responses, like if you have a REM pod, a lot of people love them and a lot of people are like, oh, they just could go off from anything and they can, you know, but if you can get intelligent responses, we were at a, we were at um, the Riddle house, but we were at one of the houses next to it called the L street house. And I have never seen the REM pod go off as much as it did. It was like the, whatever it was, was just holding the antenna, you know, and, but we were getting it to stop and start and stop. Always look for intelligent responses. Any P any device is great. If you could get an intelligent response, like, um, you ever see a, um, it's called a uh, static dome. It's, uh, looks kind of like a REM pod, you know, has all the lights around it and it reacts to static electricity. So, yeah we had it in, in a, uh, an abandoned prison. We used to go to up here in Bill Glade, Florida. And that was a great place. They demolished it though. It was a 250 or 280 acre abandoned prison in the middle of the sugar cane fields. It was, it was a sight to see at night. <laughs> um, but uh, it, we actually had a great intelligent response because all of a sudden it lit up in the backlight and we told it to, uh, to see if we could keep going around toward one of our teammates, Allison, and, you know, she was standing right in front and one by one, as we told it, it kept moving on the lights around the circle, you know, around the dome until it got to her and then it went off. So like yeah. to me, people can say, oh, those can be manipulated. And I know they can, but that can't be because it was an intelligent, absolute intelligent response. I mean, unless we were standing there with something that that produced static electricity and moved it around. You, you can't manipulate that. You know, some people use EM pumps that pumps the room. I, I don't, I don't have anything against them. I don't particularly like them. They're used more for, they believe that spirits can then take that energy and use it to communicate with us. But I also don't like it just because I think it can play, play tricks on the equipment a little bit because it's a little too much, a little too much energy in the air. <laughs> yeah. And for yourself personally, with being an empath, Going into a location, it, it must be, you know, your investigation starts pretty much straight away before yeah. 
putting out the equipment. But do you find sometimes it's overwhelming, like depending on the location that you're in? And how do you set the scene for yourself to be able to go into these locations and be able to work out what's going on? Do you communicate with those spirits and say, back off? Or what do you have to do when it's using your own abilities? You have to you have to have limits. And anybody who is, has any abilities will tell you there has to be boundaries. So if you go into something and something is overwhelming, you have to tell it to back off. Don't be completely disrespectful to it, but stand yeah. your ground and give it boundaries. You know, um, there was a house we went into in it was in Boca, uh, Florida. And, you know, the girl thought there was a demon in the home. And of course, because everybody thinks there's a demon in the house. And, you know, um, <laughs> we went in there and I can tell you it was no demon, but there was something going on, but it was very interesting because we went in the house and the entire house was a big, big mansion. And the house was like so light and welcoming. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't think there's anything going on in here till we went into the girl's room. When I took one step into the room, it felt like somebody was sitting on my shoulders. The energy was so heavy in there, you know, and I was teaching the girl, how to cleanse because you got to teach the people how to cleanse themselves because it's it's their problem they have to learn how to do it because we just go in there wave sage around and, and cleanse the house the minute we leave they're going to bring it back if they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to take care of it themselves um it, i had to go back to this girl's house a few times because i knew she was going to bring it back but i was trying to teach her and then the boundaries and what I, this is where I'm getting to the boundaries. You have to have boundaries, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a level in between boundaries and, and provoking, you know? Yeah. So like when I was teaching her and she wanted to lay on her bed and, and I said, okay, you can, and I was explaining to her, you can tell them, I don't want you here. You're not welcome here. You know, she started as I'm cleansing and showing her, she started screaming and, and saying, I'm stronger than you show yourself. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's you really, that's not what I'm talking about, you know, but you give them boundaries and you, you tell them, Hey, back off, you know, uh, but sometimes depending on what it is, it is, it is a little overwhelming and it's kind of hard to deal with, but we also do that in a little bit of prayer. When we go in, you kind of, you know, that kind of protection helps you a little bit and keeps you a little grounded with things, you know. And a personal question, you know, we're, we're talking about things that you've experienced, attacks that you've experienced. It must take a toll on you, but then it must take a toll on your family as well. Like your wife, you were saying earlier on, you know, you're she, she's not into it, but it must take a toll on her when she hears about these attacks. How, how do you... Reassure her that everything's going to be okay because that's got to be a factor in what you're doing as well, right? Well, I try to reassure her, she doesn't believe me a bit, you know. <laughs> but she now, now she's into she's very spiritual and she's into crystals and and she's a feng shui consultant and she works with with energy and and you know uh dousing rods and pendulums and so she knows that side of it. She just doesn't think you should be playing with this stuff you yeah. know, because it, it can attach to you. And believe me, when I go on an investigation and then the next day I'm out, whether I'm at work or I'm somewhere else, she is cleansing my equipment, my clothes, the house, <laughs> everything you can think of, you know, and, and, you know, she, she's, yeah, I come home and I'm like, why does my office smell like Palo Santo? You know, um, she, she tries this and she also protects me herself with things she does with energy and stuff. And she could help me, you know, so yeah, she she doesn't particularly care for it. I was I tell you this though, I was able to get her 
to do some EVPs one day. It's when I was telling you we were in London and we we're in uh, we we're in Camden Town and I, mm-hmm. I I found Amy Winehouse's house. And I said, so that's the only thing I really investigated while we're there. I went outside with some recorders at night and we were sitting in front of Amy's house because I said, this will be the holy grail of evidence if I get somebody singing across this (laughs) recorder, you know, Um, and I wasn't getting anything, you know, and and she was with me because I wasn't going there by myself. And um, I I said, come on, just try a couple, you know, (laughs) just ask her. Maybe, Maybe she'll respond to you. She asked a few questions and we did get something, but couldn't fully make it out it could have been something i don't know and I, who knows what it was but you know so i did get her there for a minute but i don't think she was too thrilled with that like i told you she was not happy with me when i came home with that thing and it said he's dead i was laughing and she did not find it funny you know even even little things do you know who robert the doll is no i haven't heard no. okay you know annabelle yes yeah i've heard okay. of annabelle so Annabelle, they say, is the most haunted doll in the world, but it's not. Robert the doll, he, he's um, in a museum down here in Key West. Um, the, there's, there's a huge story behind Robert. Um, and I know the guy, David Sloan, who's the caretaker for Robert, wrote the books on Robert, runs his tours. I've, I've met this doll many, many times. I actually have a little mini one in the back case back there. My wife hates it, hates <laughs> just the fact that it's an imitation. But... The thing, be, and this proves again about the whole respect factor. So this doll is over 100 years old. Um, they say it's actually was the inspiration for uh, Chucky and Child's Play. Um, they say that the guy who wrote it had actually been down there visiting Robert before he came up with the story. So they think it has a little bit to do with it. But the doll itself is not just dangerous. It's not like it, like Annabelle was a different type of doll where it was attacking the family. And, and mm-hmm. Robert wasn't like that. But there's there's believed a lot of spirits attached to Robert and there's a a thing it'll tell you be respectful and ask permission. If you want to take his picture, he's in a big glass case and they tell you that if you don't take (laughs) everybody hates dolls, if they, if you don't take, if you don't ask permission to take his photo or you make fun of him or anything, bad things can happen to you. And I can tell you this at every lecture I give, I talk about Robert in every lecture. There is at least one person that has a story from from things that happened to them to one guy, his wife got killed in a car accident on the way home because she made fun of the doll. Is it coincidence? Probably, but I'm not, look, I'm 35 years and I asked permission and I'm respectful to that thing down there, you know, but the place is used to be littered with letters all over the walls. Now it's digital, literally thousands and thousands. See, (laughs) after, yeah, you have to ask, (laughs) um, there, there was thousands and thousands of letters there of people who were writing to Robert begging for forgiveness. Even Ozzy says he was totally messed up by that doll. And he went down there with Jack, I think, and they saw the doll and, and he took, he laughed at it and whatever. And he was having all kinds of issues. He even went and I don't think this helps, but blew up a little mini Robert, you know, because it's Ozzy and he's out of his mind. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> but there's there's a lot to be said about that doll. Um, the stories with it are just unbelievable. But if you're down in the Keys, go see that tour. The, they have a tour now. Uh, David runs a tour that actually goes in there at night, goes around the entire fort at night, tells you the history. And then they take you for 30 minutes in a lockdown in the room with Robert with equipment and actually investigate. Very, very wow. interesting. <laughs> that does sound um, really interesting to do. And with, a ta- with, with things like you, you're talking about objects being haunted, 
you know, would you say that the objects are haunted? Could it be spirits or uh, would it be more of a demonic entity attached to these, especially with the kind of stories with, with Annabelle? Now, I don't know if you agree, but I think sometimes when you watch the movie, they they hype it up a bit more because they need, you know, the movies, right. Hollywood and things like that. Of course. But in your opinion, with the attachments to these objects, do you think it's the, something demonic to them or just a really pissed off spirit that was bad in life that's crossed over and right. continued to be? It can be both because like something like Robert, I don't believe is demonic. David has been around that doll for so long and he wrote the book on it. I think he spent eight or nine months like day after day with that doll, you know, learning the history, being around it. And, and I don't think there was he ever believed anything demonic. He believed there was a lot of attachments to it. Um, in the case of Annabelle, that was more of a demonic thing because it was pulled in and it did try to fully attack this family you know and again working with the warrens and working with chris i've heard uh we also have joe frankie who's in the uh, on the warren uh foundation and he worked with the warrens i think for almost 40 years um he was one of i think their first students you know and uh, he was he he's been around all that and you know i've heard some of the real stories behind some of the cases and stuff and and annabelle was you know it, that could have been very demonic. That's a different type of thing. So it can be because they, the thing was they pulled it in with a Ouija board and they allowed it to go to the doll. So it's a little different. It was brought in, you know, where sometimes like we're in a home and you have a spirit, a spirit can be attached to a home. It could be attached to a person could be attached to an object. That's what we found. I mean, look, nobody's in a, a, nobody knows everything in this field. <laughs> we're going by our experience and our training and all that, you know, uh, people get a little strange about the word expert in this field. You know, uh, people say there are no experts in this field. I could tell you that's a hundred percent wrong. I've worked with some of them. I've been trained by some of them. An expert just knows an authoritative knowledge of something, you know, doesn't mean they know everything. And there are people in this field that are experts in certain things. But um, they, you know, I've talked with people that have dealt a lot with haunted objects. And for the majority of it, I, they don't believe they're, they're demonic. There, there are some, but for the most part, they're not. I mean, I know a girl who has over 300 haunted objects in her home that she collects them and she calls herself a caretaker where she takes care of them. But there may be, there are some things in there that are not nice, but they're not yeah. demonic, you know? No, no, definitely. Um, just, uh, so Greg's just put in there. Uh, the first time I saw him was before he was moved over to the fort. I want to say he was on the same street the original Pan Am building was on. I think so. I did. I didn't know him before he was in the fort. I heard about it. Um, yeah, I believe. I believe that's right. Uh, but he lived in like what's what's really cool. If you wanna if you wanna have the full experience in the Keys, there's um, a house called the Artist House. It's a bed and back a bed and breakfast. That was the house where Eugene Otto and his family lived, where the doll lived in there. So you can actually rent a room called the turret room. And that's where Eugene and Robert lived. So you want to go down there and get the full experience, go stay in the turret room and do a little investigating. <laughs> I have yet to stay in there. I gotta, I'm going to try to get my team. We're going to go down um, maybe and go see Robert and maybe we'll rent out the whole artist house and go stay there. <laughs> that, that'd be great. Now with, 
all the evidence that we comply you know there's so many things that we need to look at do you feel like even with your evidence this is as well do you think it's important to debunk your own stuff before you're you're sharing it out with people and telling people what you found uh, absolutely uh you know we we really most of the time don't tell the client anything at first you know we're going to go through and because we, we, you got to be very cautious about telling the clients things because they'll hang on every word they'll get um they'll that you can scare them from something like that's why you don't do i really don't like to do any kind of investigation with equipment around a client unless i believe that something is attached to them i may need them there for something but you have to be very careful and again i go back to the whole thing about mental illness and addiction and all that because if i sit there and i take out a recorder and I record something in front of that client and then it comes out and it's garbled noise. That person is schizophrenic or that person is, is, is on some kind of drug. They may hear something completely not what's supposed to be there and could freak them out very, you know, could really damage them, can scare them, especially if you're dealing with a home with kids. You know, if you have kids in the home, you know, kids are most of the time are frightened out of their minds if they know what's going on. So yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm very cautious. At the end, we we may tell them that we believe something was there. We're going to come take care of it. Sometimes we'll present the, the evidence to them at the end to let them know, you know, but most of the time it's after we cleanse the house or after we fix it. We're not going to then say, hey, look, here's what we found. We're going to be back in a week. I'll, I'll see you in a little bit. Have fun, you know, <laughs> because they're going to freak out for the next week. So you got to kind of keep it from them a little bit. Obviously, if you walk into a house and it's it's a crazy house and things are flying around and you know you, you they're going to know what's going on as it is. Yeah. So it's you know. And when when you've done an investigation, I take it you go back with your team, you look over everything, and will you do you debunk your own evidence sometimes where you realize that oh we thought we caught something, but then realize it's not anything paranormal and just. Because yeah. I do think sometimes people say that everything's paranormal, but it's not like that, is it? You've got no. people to debunk stuff as well. Yeah, it is. It is honestly as far from that. It is. Um, you know, sometimes you can capture something. You go home, you go over the evidence, and you're like, oh, my God, listen, listen to that noise. You hear that? It was like a big knock. And then you go back to the home, and you realize the air conditioner is right there, and the air conditioner kicked on. And it has that same knock. You didn't hear it when you were there. So there's yeah. a lot of things you got to take into account. You got to know where everybody is. You got to know who's in what room, who's talking, who's saying what. There's a lot of different things, air conditioning, um, Wi-Fi units. There's a lot of things you got to look for in the home. Um, sometimes we can go into a house and maybe we'll think it's something very light or maybe it's just energy and we'll just cleanse the home right there. We don't even need evidence. We don't even need some. We're just there to push it out. An actual overnight investigation where we're there for five, six hours going through crazy stuff. We don't like to do that a lot because the, most of the time the people are scared out of their minds. And now we got to take a month to go through this evidence. In the meantime, they're sitting there in that, you know, and at the end of that, what are we going to do? We're going to do the same cleansing we would have done that day. So the only time I feel that an overnight is, is or anything longer is, um, warranted is if there's something that we really need to find out what it is or it won't leave or maybe we think it might not just be a spirit or something you know then we could go into it a little more and try to learn a little more about it because most of the time it's not really about knowing who it is it's get it out 
most of the people don't just don't want it there. They're not trying to find out who it is or what it is or what they want. You know, <laughs> so, so we have people on the team that can cross things over sometimes depending on what it is, but a lot of times you're just there to get rid of it. Brilliant. There was a question, you know, involving what you do. I think it was by Jeff and I, there, there's been quite a few comments. I, th I think he asked, how do you psychic mediums on your residentials? How, how do we use them? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're a psychic on a, on a, in a paranormal team, it's not about reading people. It's not like you go and you start reading them and say, oh, your grandmother, this, your grandfather. It, that's not what it's about. It's, um, it's, not, it's more about being able to read the property, the room, what's going on, see what they can sense, what they can feel, something that I might not be able to. You know, maybe they can actually get a, a picture of who it is, what they look like. You know, that maybe we can even find out later on that it is something like their grandmother or something like that. But they're more used to see if because sometimes we could go in there and it's hard to tell, you know, could it be something? Could it just be energy? And the psychic's going to pick up on it a little more than me because I can pick up on energy and emotion. So my the energy I could pick up on could be a spirit. It could be the person in the house. Uh, we did a case where the lady, uh, one of the ladies in the home, the, the wife, she you know, we asked them, you have illnesses, you have take medication. No, 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 no. You know, nobody's said anything, but I was feeling very strange. I can feel the pain from somebody. And I, and then I realized it was coming from the wife. And then later on, two of our team members were talking to the wife and she started saying how she has all this chronic illness and takes a lot of medication and things. So I was picking up on that, but a psychic might've been able to pick up on that way before me, know exactly what it was and who it was. I had to kind of try to figure it out, you know, but I knew something wasn't right. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, perfect. With yourself then you've done loads of investigations been to different places is there a particular location which is your favorite that you've done um it's tough i haven't done a lot out of say florida i'm in florida now i was up in new jersey there i have a huge bucket list and it goes all across the country and we're going to try to try i just haven't had a lot of time we're trying to get to some of the things maybe this year next year um things like waverly hills and and bob mackey's and and a lot of places we want to go to over here but um honestly my favorite place was that prison until they they demolished it uh we have saint augustine in florida which is the most haunted city in the country because it's the oldest city in the country and it is a great place it's about five hours from me so it's not like a weekend trip you know but it's it's great because just about everything. I mean, you walk into a restaurant there, it's haunted. <laughs> you know, oh, there no. is so much history in that city and Key West. And, you know, we actually have a lot of things throughout Florida. But um, St. Augustine, honestly, is probably one of my favorite places to go. Just because the city itself, like if you want to go there just on vacation, it's a beautiful, you know. But there is so much haunted history there that it's uh, it's unbelievable. Okay. And you're saying about the bucket list, and I know this can generally be quite a hard one to answer, but let's go with three. What are your top three places or locations that you want to investigate? Um, I don't know a lot out of the country, so I'm going to stick within the U.S. for now because, yeah. I mean, basically okay. anything overseas, any castles, anything, I want to go all of them. <laughs> you know, I would like to go back to Italy where I was and 
be able to somehow get into the Coliseum and stuff alone. That would be great, but uh, that, I don't, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Bobby, Bobby Mackey's uh, music world is, is always been on the top of my list. I know some people have gone there and they said, ah, it's not, it's not great. Um, but uh, there's been a lot, a lot of stuff there. Um, Bobby's uh, the Winchester house in California is definitely on the top of my bucket list. That is just an amazing place. I don't know if you know what that is. It was, it's, it. you know, yeah, that's an amazing place. Um, what was the other one that was, uh, really on the top of my list now? Now I forgot. Um, oh, now I forgot, but, uh, Waverly, I, I haven't been to Waverly Hills sanatorium. Uh, that's, I want to do that. And Bobby's in the same weekend. Cause they're like two hours from each other, an hour from each other, something like that. Uh, that'd be a big draining weekend, but, <laughs> but, uh, a, a lot of fun there. There, honestly, there's so many, so many places out there. Um, but if you don't know about Bobby Mackey's look that up, that's got some crazy history to it. Um, I've heard that's Bobby a frightening place. Well. Yeah. Bobby Mackey's looks like a fantastic location to, mm. to investigate. And, you know, I know, um, Brian Laverty, uh, from Hunter Phobia, I think he, I think he might have gone there, but it's um, right. it looks like a great location. Um, hey, Anthony, hope you're well, man. And we've got D. Hello, that's my wife. Was <laughs> oh, that your wife? Yeah. Hello, hope you're well. We were talking about you earlier on. Um, I've just had a private message come through from a friend of mine that's watching, and she's asked, "With spirits, do you think that they're stuck here?" So, you know, do you think the reason that they're still in these locations is because they're just stuck and don't know how to move on? Well, again, nobody truly knows, I guess, until we're there. <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, and I tell everybody, if I find a way to stay around, everybody's in trouble. I got a list. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I, I do. <laughs> but uh, I, I think there's there's a few different things, I believe. Some of them are stuck here. Maybe they have some kind of unfinished business there. Some might not realize they're dead. Some may be scared to cross over. I, I think there's a few different things to them. And sometimes you can tell just by what they're doing and the way they are. You know, sometimes they, they could really be looking to to give a message. You know, that's where psychics come in great. You know, if something is there trying to give that message, sometimes all they need to do is give that message out and then they, they move on. You know, I noticed a big uptick in this during COVID because, and I believe it's because people were experienced. There's, there's two different things. First, everybody was locked in their homes. They're definitely getting a little uh, delusional being in their home for so long and, and everything and not being yeah. around people and things and probably, you know, watching a little too much, you know, 14 hours straight of ghost adventures and, you know, cause they're stuck home. But, um, but also you have a lot of people who got sick. The next day we're on a ventilator. The next day we're dead. I don't think yeah. a lot of them even know what happened. You know, the people that are put on ventilators, do we know? Like, do they know what's going on? They, you know, they're, they're, they're in like induced comas. So can nobody really knows, obviously. Do they know? Do they know they were about to die? Do they, they may be stuck. That's why, that's why a lot of people will tell you the most haunted places are hospitals, <laughs> you know, because uh, you think about how many are got to be floating around there, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I believe it can be a few different things, but I believe people are stuck here for, for different reasons. Sometimes, sometimes it's just residual energy. Like I tell yeah. people, 
you know, maybe you have an old house from the 1800s or something. And every day at 6 p.m., you hear footsteps on your, your stairs. Is it a ghost? Oh, maybe. But could it be that residual Im energy imprint of maybe the guy who lived there, you know, 200 years ago or something like that, 100 years ago, and used to walk up those stairs from work every day at 6 p.m.? That energy footprint can be s sitting there in that home. You know, yeah. so it, it could be just that too. No, de definitely, definitely. Um, and just to, you know, one of my last questions that, oh, sorry, Maria's just said, we'll just yeah. pop that up. But my room in the hospital is haunted, definitely feels eerie. Um, <laughs> definitely. And one thing I did, the what I did like you saying is we're not going to know a lot of things until we actually go into whatever's right. after. You know, a lot of this is, like you say, what we've researched, what we've learned over the years doing this. Right. I think there's a lot of stuff that we still don't know about, to be honest. It's a lot. <laughs> a, a, a hell of a lot. Yeah, definitely. But, but, you know, someone new to the paranormal field, they want to be a paranormal investigator or do what you're doing. What would be the key advice that you would give someone new um, into the industry? Two things. One, Find somebody who's been doing this for a while. I tell you, if you're looking for a team, there are a lot of, and I'm not discrediting teams that maybe all of them have only had a couple years experience. I'm not discrediting them. But if you really want to learn, find somebody who has a team or at least somebody on that team was doing this before the TV show started. So get somebody who's been doing it 20 years or something like that. I, I don't remember when the shows came out. I think around 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. Find somebody who's been doing it before that because they know something different than what you're mm -hmm. seeing. And honestly, read. Go and read. I have I have a bookshelf back there, you know, and, and on top of my audio thing that probably has a hundred and something books in it. Read every book you can find on the paranormal because even if you get a crap book, honestly, because there are a lot, there will be one piece of information in there that is very interesting to learn. I learn something every day from these books. I, I've read every type of book. I, you know, um, I, I'm in school. If you can find, look, there's a lot of weird online courses. <laughs> there are. There's a lot of stuff. But look for stuff that is reputable. I'm, I'm in a course online now that is a full um, this year I'll have my, uh, I'm hoping to have my PhD in parapsychology and metaphysical humanistic science. Wow. So read a little bit, read about metaphysics, learn about, go read about photography. First thing, go read about photography. You're going to learn what the orbs are. You're going to learn what lens flares are. You're going to learn all the things that you can help debunk. And it's not to call people out on their, their evidence. It's to, it, it's to um more to learn so you know like hey i got this picture and i know a lot about lens flares and and reflections in windows and things i know this is none of that so i must have a good piece you know mm. instead of just going and constantly posting like I, I tell people there is a thing called pareidolia a lot of people don't like the word and it is your brain that creates it tries to create something recognized out of something that's unrecognized so a spirit if it if you capture it on a on a camera or video or whatever it will be right there in the open you know it will be it, it, it you may see a shadow you may say but a, a spirit does not hide by a face 
across the street in the tree on a leaf that you had to zoom in 400 times. And now you think it's a face looking at you. That is not a spirit. That's not how it works. You know, it may look cool. And I've seen some pictures that are <laughs> crazy looking, but it's not just learn, go and learn more about it, you know, and that way it's, it's going to help you. You're, you're going to know more that when you capture something and it's also in those books, a lot of them will teach you how to capture something. Don't go to a place and take a picture, take a, a you know, a succession of photos. They always yeah. say at least three photos of the same thing, because if you get the same little shadow in that picture of all three of them, most likely it's nothing. If you got it in one of them, then it's a better chance of it could be something, you know, know your environment. When you take pictures, yeah. look around because a lot of times you'll go home and be like, oh my God, look at this. And then you'll say, I, I don't, there was nobody there that looked like that, but then there was, you know, just yeah. know, be very, you know, know your whole environment. What's around you. Where's the lighting come from? Things like that. You know, even mark it down on something, you know, Hey, I took this picture and there's, you know, because a lot of times you wouldn't see stuff until you get home and then you're going to be killing yourself when you trying to remember what the hell was in that room. <laughs> I missed what that question was that somebody asked. Um, I think it was uh, MWN. Hey, Bill, what's your scariest experience? Also, when I was a child, I noticed things that I couldn't really understand, especially at 9 p.m. You know, the whole thing about nighttime is is kind of a little unknown to people. Um, it's, it, it's any kind of... Uh, Paranormal activity could happen at any time of the day. You could sit here right now. Well, you're at nighttime, me during the day. Um, <laughs> I can sit here and just whatever. We got a, a great EVP. One of my team members got it in the middle of the day at a cemetery. You know, um, the thing is at nighttime, things are more quiet. So every little sound is enhanced. Your mind starts going a little bit. It's dark. You know, things just kind of trigger you a little more at night. Um, we, we go in and investigate more at night just because some of our equipment uses infrared and, and, you know, night vision stuff because spirits can be seen on, you know, uh, light spectrums that our eyes can't see. So that's yeah. why we do that. But, um, as far as being nine o'clock, it could just be that again, as things are more quiet and every little sound is kind of enhanced at that time, you know, um, uh, scariest things I've experienced. <laughs> uh, there's a lot. Um, and I, I said this the other day too, and I, I hate to keep going back to one of the, the first things, but, um, the same, you know, same stories, but my, my scariest experience was probably my first residential that turned into a, um, a demonic case. You know, I didn't know. And, uh, we, the guy next to me got full on attacked. I mean, he, he had a scratch, he had three scratches from his, his neck to his spine. Um, and wow. it was it was one of the most frightening experiences I've ever had. And most people probably would have run for their lives and never gone back to this field. But it made me interested. Like I wasn't it wasn't about, oh, my God, he got attacked. It was like, why did he get attacked? Why didn't I get attacked? I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, it made me more interested and it made me want to help people because I saw the fright in these people's faces you know that's when you do the residentials and you see the the frightening you know look on these people's faces when they think something's in there and even sometimes just to tell them there is nothing you know at all in here is just a huge amount of relief for them you know sometimes they don't want to believe us because they're watching a little too much tv you know <laughs> but um <laughs> You know, it, there's, it, it is really great to see that. But that, I mean, again, anything 
I've any demonic case has been the most frightening experience I've encountered. And anybody that tells you they're not scared on a demonic case is 100% lying. 100%. Because when I go into a regular investigation, I don't get scared. I've been touched. I've been pushed to the floor. I've been, you know, for the most part, spirits don't hurt you like that. But I have been knocked around a little bit, but it doesn't frighten me, you know. But in a demonic case, you don't know what's coming. You don't know where it's going and you don't know who it's going to hit. You know, so there I, I don't look forward to demonic cases. I, I go if they need the help, but I don't it's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, I can't wait for my next one. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, you're, truly step, you're truly stepping into the unknown, aren't you? Till, till yeah, you 100 percent. You, you can't really prepare yourself for anything until no. you know what kind of thing you're dealing with. Um, Maria. Um, oh, just get that back up. Hey, Linda. <laughs> Um, Maria, next time you and Ron come out on an investigation, we'll go to every part of the location. We'll do the free photos that Bill was saying about, and we'll we'll check everything that we do. You know, because I think that's a great bit. To, of I have to come out there and come on an investigation with you guys. <laughs> Definitely, if you're ever in the UK, you know, we, we have some great locations that we go to, and mm. you know, we oh, that, that's a deal. Yeah, we'll definitely remember that, Maria. I'll write that down. In I've been wanting. I've been wanting to come back over there because I'm actually, I, do you know, do you know the ghost club in the UK? They're the oldest no, known. The um, yeah. Look it up. They're, they're the oldest known, um, I guess, ghost club in, in, in the world. I think I had it up there. I think it was like 18 something they were formed and it's, it's formed of mo most of the people are parapsychologists and real researchers and investigators. I'm a member of that. And I've always wanted to come over and get involved. They do investigations. They do uh, monthly meetings and stuff. I've always wanted to get involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come back here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I want to come over there cause I want to, I was, when I was there, I was only there for three days and it was between, it was right after new year's. And I, I was, they were having a, a meeting, but it was like two days after I was leaving. I was, I actually contacted them and not that they know me so well, but I'm like, Hey, can you switch it to a different day? <laughs> I wanted to be there and go actually go to one of these meetings, but, uh, it was too close to new year's. They were all, you know, on holiday or whatever. Um, I know I said it was like the last question, but there's a, just a couple that I've dropped through that I just I'm good. <laughs> the, um, so, um, Elaine, what are the differences in char characteristics of a demonic case to a lesser haunt? Well, the, the first thing is if you have a spirit in the home and it's making noise and it's knocking and it, you hear voices or maybe something fell off the counter, things like that. Most of the time, those are, uh, uh, like you say, a lesser haunting. Um, again, a demon can start a little bit like that. But for the most part, you're going to know when they get a little further up because they attack. They do physically harm people because they have two goals. They're, they're there to harm you or have you harm somebody else. So a lot of the things like when we do a, let's say, a residential, we do have a list of... Uh, a ridiculously long list of questions <laughs> that we will let them tell us all their story, but we do go through all these questions. Even if we know sometimes it's not demonic, no way, but we're going to ask these questions anyway. There's a lot of things you can tell on people. And again, this is where the, the kind of questionable comes in between mental illness too. Um, 
have people been staring at you and, and, and not blinking for long periods of time? You know, are they talking in strange languages they wouldn't know? Are they talking in tongues? Are they speaking with strange voices? You know, obviously, have they levitated off the ground? You know, that's a telltale <laughs> sign. Run yeah, if you see that. <laughs> Run and get somebody to help you with that one. But, you know, like a lot of that stuff, there are there is a lot of of known stuff where everything is mocking the Holy Trinity. So demons will knock three times. They will scratch three times. Everything is done in threes. And like when I was saying that case, that guy that got scratched, you know, that was more than scratch. It was from his neck to his spine. And um, it was three razor blade like marks. Now, at the time, I knew nothing about demonology. So it was later on that I learned about demonology that I associated it to that case demon scratch like a razor blade it is like a razor when you see a lot of people put things up and they're like oh i woke up and i was scratched in the middle of the night and you can tell it's a fingerprint because you know it's it's like they if you scratch with your finger you have that kind of wide like kind of scratchy mark you know these were literally like if you took a razor and just went down somebody that's what more of what a demonic you know attack is it's more like a razor so there's certain signs like that like um you know, I'll be honest. I had a guy, maybe he's out there listening. And if he's listening, I hope he contacts me because we were doing, um, a, I do a lot of conventions where I was at a guest at Megacon here in Orlando. There's a big, big convention. And when we do our panels, we get a lot of people that come up to the booth and I have all my equipment out and we, you know, we do a lot of stuff, very interactive with everybody. Um, and this kid came up to me and he was like, he wanted to know a lot about the difference between demons and, and spirits. And he was very strange, very quiet, very late, you know, very to himself. And, you know, I, I don't know. We get a lot of people like that. So I, I don't think too yeah. much of it. But he kept talking to me and I was talking to him and I started explaining and I was doing it on purpose. I started talking to him probably for about 25, 30 minutes. And I can tell you this in that 25, 30 minutes, he never blinked once. So I kept asking him, are you asking about something? Are you in trouble? Do you maybe think something's wrong? And and he wouldn't answer me. Like it was almost like something was holding him back from answering. Me. I wow. gave him my card. I mean, you know, <laughs> I would definitely be brought back to MegaCon if we did a live exorcism right in the middle of the floor. <laughs> but, um, and I can't do exorcism by the way, but, um, you know, I, something like that, it could have been also a mental illness. There's people who are artistic and stuff that that could happen, you know, but yeah. he was very, very quiet, very to himself and kind of, kind of really, frightened me a little bit, you know, to where I, I, I don't know. And I gave him my card. I haven't heard from him. Hopefully he'll contact me. And, you know, you don't know, cause you don't know if there was something on him that was not allowing him to do it. Cause he did step in front of me and, and on the, the table where he was standing was my cleansing kit with my cross and the holy water and all the stuff. And he did, when he walked over, he did step back a bit, you know, I'm not going to do anything to him unless he asked me, because I, I'm not going to, just go and just start blessing him because if it was something bad, it can aggravate it. And again, we don't need it coming out in the middle of the Megacon convention. <laughs> we don't need to be on TV that way. <laughs> no, no. And just to follow on from uh, Elaine's original question, um, is there a visual aspect to the demonic cases you're investigating or just tactile? Um visuals i've seen visuals i mean visual you know some of the stuff you see on obviously on tv and movies is enhanced for tv and movies but 
there is stuff that actually does happen. I've seen things fly across the room. I've seen a person levitate off the floor. Um, it, it's rare, you know, but those are visual things that you will see. The orbs I was talking about during uh, a demonic case, I've seen it and the orb flew around and the one orb actually grew and flew around, went into the corner of the room, expanded into about a seven to eight foot like shadow. And then it dissipated like smoke. And then the couch lifted up, flew across the room. Missed, the priest was reading the minor rite of exorcism. Missed him by about six inches. <laughs> you know, the priest was, priest is a pro because he, he didn't flinch. I mean, we all jumped, you know, because that couch <laughs> went about three feet in the air and flew. And but again, these things happened a long time ago. Like the, the first case I was telling you about in this case, those were back in 89 and then the early 90s. If those things happen today, I would actually be checking every piece of the home and seeing how they tried to rig this. Because nowadays you have a lot of people trying to get fame, trying to get on the news and they will rig things, you know. Back yeah. then, that's not what was happening. I mean, again, that first case where the guy got attacked, if if I saw that today and I was with a, two people I didn't know well, I would have thought maybe it was staged, you know, but these people never talked about it to anyone. I'm sure nobody else knows except all the people involved in that case, you know, and I saw it happen in front of me. Um, but things now, it, it, it's tough, especially if you're watching things on video. If you get, that's another thing. If you want to be an investigator and you contact a person and, or they contact you and they start sending you pictures and video, debunk that stuff. Don't immediately think, oh my God, it, I, I saw something move. The cabinet opened and oh, it, it's got to be a ghost. Don't think that because you'd be amazed at what people can fake. And I have a video that I just got permission from the guy that made it to use in my lectures. And he shows you um, I have to show it to you. It, it's it's just a great piece of video because it shows him walking up, like kind of crawling in his kitchen. He reaches up, he takes the cabinet door, he opens it, he closes it. He goes to the other one, he opens it, closes. He shakes the 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 uh, shelf, and then he goes back. He films it without anything, and then he makes a video mask where he was and places half of it underneath, which is oh, the wow. plain part, and then all you see is the cabinets opening. And you, I guarantee you, I could put that up there and a million people would think it was a ghost and it wasn't. Yeah. The it video editing easy. skills are unbelievable now. It, it, that, that's what I, I always say, that you can't take everything as guaranteed because yeah. of how easy, and especially where technology has evolved so much. It's so yeah. easy to be able, like especially in this industry, to be able to fake... Um, evidence and you know and the shame about it 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 gives people a false you know image yeah. of paranormal field is because i always say you can sit in a location for up to six hours and nothing will happen yeah you know, sometimes when you watch stuff on tv that they make out something happens all the time and we know it's not true edited so it's edited it's, down <laughs> yeah. yeah it is you got you just got to be a bit more open-minded on what you're watching and what yeah. information you're taking from. Cause it is a lot different when you go out and investigate. It is oh, a yeah. lot different. There, um, there's something, there's something for the new people. Patience. If you don't have patience, don't do this because you'll go somewhere. Like I said, I, we've been in places for five, six hours with five cases of equipment, four people and captured nothing. You know, you have to be able to understand that and, and you need patience. 
You do. Uh, <laughs> I say it's like going fishing. You, you yeah. cast the the rod, and you got just sort of sit there until you get the bite. And mm -hmm. sometimes you might get that big fish, which is an amazing piece of evidence, or you get the smallest little fish, which is yeah. something very small that happens. You just yeah. got to be patient in it. In this field, you've got to be very patient and prepared to. You might have caught something, but actually, when you go home and look at it, you've got to debunk it yourself because there's a a reasonable explanation why that's happened. And right, like you're right. saying, and that's why I say learn, ed educate yourself, because there's so much out there that can be fake. Like I tell people, a lot of people ask all these TikTok videos of people, like you know, you see them, the doors are opening and closing, and look. <laughs> Here's the easiest thing if you want to know what could be real and what is not real is when you see a video of a person with their phone going like this and they're going, look, look, and the door is opening, closing. And you hear noises and think fake. Why? Because they would be running their ass out of that house if that was really <laughs> happening. There's no way they would pick up their camera and start filming it. Not going to happen. They would run, run, and let you know. Maybe unless they're a seasoned investigator, but otherwise they're going to run for their lives. You know. That's uh, so There's one more question, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna let you go in a minute. Um, but there's <laughs> one that's just popped in, and I think it's a good question. Um, do you recommend a priest to bless a home before moving in? Yeah, I, I think it's good. I, I, I know anybody. It's even if you don't think there's anything in there, it's always good to bless the house because it does cleanse the energy in there too. And whether you're you're Catholic, see, whether you're Catholic, <laughs> Christian, Jewish, whatever, get your priest or, or rabbi or whoever, come and bless the home. It's, it's always a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, if there was something in there before you, it helps get rid of it. If, if there was just bad energy, you know, and learn about cleansing, cleanse your home once a month with sage and stuff, because it just clears the energy. Here, one thing about a lot of teams that, you know, learn from TV and everything, they don't learn about energy. Energy is something that it, it we don't know a lot of you know all about it. But for instance, there's one thing that my that I used to make fun of my wife with. I would buy her flowers, and then like two days later they would die, and I would tell her, "I'm not buying your flowers anymore. You're just wasting my money. They just die in there, you know in two three days." And she's telling me that's the energy in the home. And now I know a lot about energy, but I'm going for flowers. What the what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I was even kind of saying ah, she's a little crazy now. Um, and then she cleansed the home. And honestly, I swear to you, from that point on, every time I bought her flowers from the same place, the same type of flowers, they were lasting two to three weeks. And oh, then wow. maybe, uh, I don't know how many months later, they started dying again. She cleansed again, and they weren't dying. So energy in the home has a big thing. And she, like I said, she's a licensed feng shui consultant. So she knows how energy flows through the house. And you know, she yells at me all the time because she says I'm the one who brings all the bad energy. And from what I do, <laughs> I watch horror movies all day when I'm home. And she hears all the screaming. And she says, well, I fill the room with energy and then bad energy. And then she got to cleanse it out of here. <laughs> So she, she's got a lot to put up with with you then. When, oh, yes. This, bless her. Um, brilliant. Um, you know, I just want to say thank you for, for joining us tonight. You've been absolutely amazing. I think everyone will agree it's been great to talk to you. But just before I let you go, where can people find your content? Do you have social media that they can go and yeah. follow you on? And what do you have coming up that you're, you're involved in? Well, uh, first of all, my website is my name, BillSlevin.com. All of my social media, Facebook, um, a lot of it is in the, the process of being kind of rebuilt and building up because I just hadn't had time because I also have our team. My team is P-E-R-S-F-L.com. 
Um, there's stuff on both of those sites. You can see everything we do. We usually have a calendar of events, everything we're doing, where we're going. Um, again, all social media is Slevin Paranormal. So my YouTube is at Slevin Paranormal. Um, I just got it started. It's there, like with the header. <laughs> we're working on possible first videos. It is going to be very different. I'm not there to do an investigation thing like we're doing a, a TV show. I'm going to do some stuff we're investigating. I'm going to do educational videos, interviews. I'm going to do all different types of things. So it's going to be a, a lot of stuff, you know, geared around all around the paranormal field. Um, on Facebook and my website definitely are the best for what we're doing. This next Saturday, May 6th, uh, if anybody is in the States, <laughs> uh, I will be doing a convention in Opaka, Florida. It's just a little bit north of Orlando, about 15, 20 minutes. It's called a PopCon. So you can go online and see that. It's uh, A-P, what is it? Uh, <laughs> A-P-O-P-K-O-N.com. Um, it's a, it's going to be a really fun event. I'm one of their celebrity guests with a bunch of other people. Uh, we're going to be doing, you know, we'll be there for autographs and stuff, but I'll have all my equipment. I'm doing a panel I think at 1130, but it's also a fundraiser for a, a big children's um, uh, thing. They're called give. Ki I think it's give kids the world, which brings kind of like make a wish. They bring them to this place. That's a village in Orlando. That's like a big theme park. And they give them like a, you know, experience they, that they can't forget, you know, a lot of memories and stuff. So it's a good charity also, but it, there's going to be a lot of people there. They're screening an indie a horror film and it's going to have a lot of fun. That sounds absolutely awesome. And, you know, guys, what I will do afterwards is I've got Bill's links. And if there isn't any that I haven't, that I have got, haven't got, I'll get them off you. And then I will put them in the description. So if you want to go and follow um, Bill, you want to see what he's doing, I'll put all the links there. Um, but, you know, yeah, again, I got oh, one more. I got one more if it's okay. I just remembered. Yeah, yeah, go if, for it. If, if anybody's here or if anybody wants to come over for this in September, from the September 15th to 17th, I will be part of the Phantasm Horror Convention. It's in Orlando, Florida. Um, this is a horror and haunt and partial paranormal convention. This is going to be a lot of fun. And also Chris McKennell, the grandson of Ed and Lorraine Warren and Joe Frankie, who worked with them for 40 years, they will both be guests there with me. Um, we're going to be doing panels. You're going to be able to hear panels all about the true stories behind the conjuring movies. You can hear stuff about actual cases they were on it. If you, if you're into horror and into all that, definitely come and make this weekend because it, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely brilliant. It sounds like you've got loads going on and really exciting stuff. Um, you know, so I'm sure everyone would agree to that. It's great what you're doing and, you know, it'll be great to, I know Maria said, um, please return. We would definitely have, love to have you back on in the future. Anytime. Um, but it's absolutely been awesome to get to have a chat with you about your experience. Thank you for, for being part of this tonight. We Thank you. Thank you for having me. Having you. Um, so, yeah. So um, thank you, Bill. What I'll do is I'll put you back in the room. I'll do my finishing sure. off. But just again, thank you everyone that's joined in with Bill tonight and you know, you've been an absolutely awesome guest. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for asking questions and everything, too. Yeah, brilliant. Um, but, yeah, I'll finish off, and then we'll finish off in the background there. So I'll Sounds see you good. in a little bit, Bill. Well, guys, um, you know, another great guest, another great show. Um, 
you know, the stories from Bill has been absolutely awesome, what he's experienced, and we will definitely have him back on in the future for a catch-up. Um, just before I go, as always, I just want to say a big thank you to all our followers, the viewers. Without you guys, um, the show wouldn't be as good as what it is. So we just want to thank you for your continued support. Just a few things about Portals to the Paranormal, what we've got coming up. So as you know, we are taking part in the first Global Ghost Hunt which kicks off on the 4th of May. And um, we are quite lucky because we're going to be joining the Patrol um, Paranormal on the 4th at Arendelle Jailhouse. And then we got our investigation on the 6th of May at Murchison Hall. Um, all these investigations will be streamed live. Um, so you'll be able to go to the Global Ghost Hunt page, check that out, and then you'll see the investigations, as I said, kicking off on the 4th. Of May, and then at the end of May, we are returning to Fort Whitley for our public event. So, if there's anyone that wants to join us, as you know, go to our Facebook page or go to our website www.portaltotheparanormal.co.uk. We would love to see you um, on one of the investigations and join us. Um, but for now, I just want to say thank you to all of you viewers and followers for you know, joining us tonight. It's been a great show. We will be back on the 10th of May. Um, we have Karen Frey and Rachel Ashman joining me um, for talks about the upcoming Festival of the Unexplained. Another great show. Um, so I hope you guys tune in. But for now, I'm going to say my goodbyes. Um, again, thank you for joining us. And we will see you very soon. But take care and enjoy the rest of your weekend, everyone. Bye.